Welcome back to another installment, my little truffle hunters. And on this episode, I am going to be counting down the top 20 Blumhouse films, which if we should, you know, especially if you like horror, suspense, or thrillers, you're going to already be familiar with the banner that is Blumhouse. You know, they got the cool opening. Uh, started off from the bottom, and now they're a mega corporation that's set to merge with James Wan's own in-house studio for horror and whatnot. And so let's just get right into it. Coming in at number 20 is The Hunt, which unfortunately, it was it was, it was pseudo-social commentary, a little heavy-handed, not heavy-handed, but you know... Um, Everything is a political divide nowadays. And so The Hunt turned into something where the release, the film release was severely hampered and it ended up, it, it almost turned into a situation where the movie was sent out to die. It was brilliant and I was major into it because anybody who listens to the podcast knows I'm a huge fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and it has Glenn Howerton in the film as a snobby rich prick a uh, millionaire type, which isn't far off from his character, Dennis Reynolds. Uh, to my disappointment, he wasn't as fucked up as Dennis Reynolds. But still, Glenn Howerton, I'm there all day. Any Anybody from the cast with Always Sunny and any other project, I'm there all day. Um, <clears throat> coming in, excuse me, let me clear my throat with the unofficial sponsor. Coming in at number 19 is Paranormal Activity, the one that started it all. Uh, one of the things I'll always remember about this film is that I was watching this with my daughter's mother, and I didn't expect it. Like I said, it, it takes a lot for me to get shocked or a little bit terrified from a, from a scary movie. This movie, with the contents of what goes on in the film, especially at the end, I remember my daughter's mother getting up, and uh, I was like, hey, um, go ahead, and just because when we started it, like, the sun was still out, kind of, sun was setting, and I'm like, you know, it's a scary movie, so we should just turn the lights off, you know, it's not probably not even going to be that scary, it'll be fine, and when the credits roll and shit, I'm telling her, because she tried to race off to the bedroom without me. And you know how it is when you just got done watching a scary movie. You can't just be walking through dark areas by yourself. You need the buddy system and shit. So I'm like, yo, uh, go ahead and turn all the fucking lights in the house on. Just go ahead and turn them all fucking on. For no reason, it's just super chill. Just go ahead and definitely turn every fucking light on. Don't fuck around now. <laughs> that movie had me a little... Had me a little fucked up uh, after watching it. It still kind of fucks with me. That whole series still kind of fucks with me because I do personally believe in demons and uh, definitely believe in ghosts and shit. How can you believe in one and not the other? It's kind of dumb. Um, so, yeah, anything that's like that, like, I don't be fucking with Ouija boards and none of that shit. Like, niggas don't do that. Um yeah, the movie fucked with me, and I liked it. The first one's always going to be the best one. The sequels were all right. They added to the lore and shit. The best out of the sequels has, has to be a Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, you know, because 
demons and shit like that and then Mexican culture goes a little bit harder than it does in American culture. So, yeah, uh, coming in at number 18, Split. Now, this was just an M. Night Shyamalan movie. This was, an, this was another M. Night, and none of us expected it to be, one, to be as amazing. It was almost a one-man performance in terms of James McAvoy and his split personalities. And then, two, the ending of the film, which saw Bruce Wallace's character return from Unbreakable. No one saw that as the ending. We're like, oh, fucking shit. Like, he's been... He just pulled an M. Night. M. Night just pulled an M. Night. He got us all. Got us hyped. A lot of people didn't like the the capper to that series, but I thought it was a pretty clever uh, commentary on superhero films and what we all always expect to happen doesn't happen. And it was just kind of like, damn. It was just, all right, M. Night, you, you, you savage for that one. Um, number 17 is another M. Night film, The Visit. Uh, chronicles two children being sent to their grandparents' house for the weekend so their parents can have a little fun and fuck, I guess. I don't know what people who look that boring get up to, but the grandparents start displaying more and more bizarre behavior. And by the end of the film, it's revealed that these poor children's poor grandparents had been murdered by this couple who had escaped from, I think, either a nursing home or an insane asylum. I don't know which way to Wednesday, but it was one of the two of those scenarios. Um, fantastic little PG-13 uh, psycho thriller. I'd say if you're in town or out of town, probably rent the visit and check it out. Coming in at number 16 is Sweetheart. Now, I I like, sometimes I like this, sometimes this approach and formula works, sometimes it doesn't, but you're basically dropped into the film. The film starts out, Kiersey Clemens' character is on vacation with her boyfriend, they get stranded, she washes up on this beach, and then the rest of the film is just her fighting this fucking sea monster, sea monster, sea monster. And the reason that I liked it so much is because there was this TV movie from way back in, like, the early, the end of the 90s, early, yeah, yeah, mid-90s, early 90s, but it starred Craig T. Nelson, and he fought this shark monster, whatever, and that, it just kind of reminded me, the, the monster also reminded me of something that would be from H.P. Lovecraft, but you have no explanation. When it happens, the first time it happens, you're kind of just like, what the fuck is going on? And then when you finally, it's it's one of those things that just makes you go, holy fuck, and it, I, I appreciate the fuck out of it. I appreciate Kiersey Clemens' uh, acting. I appreciate the design for the creature. I appreciate that it it wasn't Super plot heavy. You got as much of the plot as you needed for the setup, and then it's just basically like survive, sink or swim, so to speak. Um, coming in at number fifteen is a recent, more recent, came out within the last couple of years. Uh, Kevin Bacon movie called "You Should Have Left," and this is in the pantheon of haunted or possessed houses and. Uh, 
I love this film. I don't want to spoil too much about it. Um, I will say it's interesting that the house is is possessed or infested, and it seeks out rotten souls, so to speak, to devour. And that's all uh, all I'm going to say about that one. You're just going to have to, you know, realize that if you stayed home, you should have left. Uh, coming in at number 14, we like to get a little freaky. We like to get a little freaking naughty. Uh, this is from the same maker of the Death Day films. And once upon a time, we were so, so close to getting a crossover that I was going to call, that I had myself called Freaky Death Day. Um, but we're not going to get that Freaky Death Day, unfortunately. And it's, it, it's just, it feels too fucking perfect not to do. And I was getting a little worked up thinking about how sad it makes me that they're not, for one reason or the other, not going to do Freaky Death Day. Um, but this one, I did a review. It's an episode from a couple years ago when it came out. Stars Vince Vaughn, and I can't remember the name, Catherine something. She'll next be seen in Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania. But the concept of this is it's Freaky Friday. So, you know... Uh, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You movies covered one genre where it was Groundhog's Day mixed with Slasher. And this time it's Freaky Friday mixed with Slasher. And the result is, which it could have gone very campy, but you have Vince Vaughn acting his way through being body swapped with a teenager. And some of the laughs in there, one of the funniest, the, 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 the scene that got the biggest laugh for me is when they're, they, hide, they hide the character in a fucking Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, Halloween mask. There is that scene alone, there is major uh, comedy gold in that motherfucker. Uh, coming in at number 13 is The Deep House, which is a twist on the haunted house formula. These, this couple goes, um, I think, diving into a lake or something to find a fully submerged house. And what they find once they don't wait until the door's opened after they knock is it's a pretty fucked movie. It's, it definitely works. If you have claustrophobia issues and you're afraid of haunted houses, you are definitely going to be on the edge of your scuba tank the entire time. With this film. Uh, coming in at number 12 is a film that I guess a lot of people didn't really like. I, I totally, I reviewed this film as well and I, I fell in love with it. I thought it was fun. I'd never seen the Drew Barrymore or Drew Barrymore version of Firestarter, so I didn't have any any relation or ties to the previous film. I haven't even read the source material, the Stephen King book, The Firestarter, uh, or not The Firestarter, just Firestarter. Never read it, so I was coming in like a brand new virgin, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I'd like to see a continuation of it, but uh, don't know what the box office numbers are like. I mean, I can look it up. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, coming in at number 11 
is the black phone, which is a uh, fucking fantastic man. This is uh, out of every story that I've seen that's horror movie related. That if you told me and I didn't know any better was a Stephen King movie, that wasn't a Stephen King movie. This is one of the films that the, the way that they write the kids, the way everything about it feels totally like a Stephen King movie. And ironic, uh, ironically, as fate would have it, the director of this film directed the sequel to The Shining called Dr. Sleep, which is also a sequel, a book sequel to The Shining, which the book for Dr. Sleep is better than the film. The film is still serviceable, but the book is better. Um, but yeah, coming in at number 11, The Black Phone. If you haven't seen it, see it. I also did a review on that film, so if you'd like to check it out, you can check out my thoughts and opinions. Uh, just search through all the episodes and you'll find it. Uh, coming at number 10, <laughs> and I already talked about the first one, is Happy Death Day to You. And like I, I already said, so we don't even need to go into it. We don't even, even need to get deeper in tune with why I've picked it. You've already, you already know. Uh, coming in at number nine, is a film that I saw, it's been a minute, but it was effective, it was fucked up, uh, titled Area 51. And I suppose if you believe in aliens, you watch this film, this is probably what you should expect if you go fucking around in Area 51. Uh, coming in at number seven. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We, I'm sorry. I got myself confused. We had discussed Happy Death Day at a previous interim, or a previous episode, and I'm recording these back to back. So I had myself fucked up because we talked about Happy Death Day in that previous episode, but it was for time traveling top 10 list. So my bad on that one. Uh, just just gonna go ahead and say it, skip all the way to, skip two down, just say that Happy Death Day is my number five. Um, shit, I'm so sorry about that. Um, but coming in at number seven is a film that just came out very recently, and that would be Megan. And this is, Reviving that killer doll craze, you know, Chucky Charles Lee Ray held the crown for so long, but Megan is here to snatch a crown and turn that bad boy into a tiara. It was fun. I can't wait for them to release the rated R, unrated cut. Originally, Megan was supposed to be rated R. They're going to dump it in January. But thanks to the viral dance on TikTok popping off, they decided to go back and edit Megan to make it PG-13 because they saw how popular it was with the chillins. So they edited it. Still was a good and effective, creepy fucking movie. Um, coming in at number six is The Invisible Man. And like I said before, there are people who don't watch a lot of films. I won't spoil this, but Elizabeth Moss does a fantastic job in this this film. And... The fact that they can take a completely empty room with only one person in it and turn it into something of suspense and anxiety and terror is a masterclass 
all in itself. Um, my hat, my socks, and my shoes are off to this film. And we already discussed number six, so we'll skip to number four, which is Halloween 2018, written by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and directed by David Gordon Green. And uh, Halloween 2018 takes... Halloween 1978 and retcons it so that that's a direct sequel. I wish they would have done something else besides call it Halloween 2018. But still, this was a clever, you know, ended up being a trilogy. Cleverly done. Fan-fucking-tastic film. The brutality is there. Michael Myers is back and stalking and jocking, walking, talking. Not so much talking, but stabbing. Stabbing and grabbing. It's it's a good time. If you like slashers, it's a good time to be had. And I already discussed this one, which, you know, I'm a little tired, so give me a fucking break. Okay, y'all. Uh, we already discussed this one earlier, but number three on my top 20 list of Blumhouse films is Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And uh, if you forgot what I said, just scrub back to when I talked about Paranormal Activity. Um, coming in at number two is Insidious, which for a PG-13 film, I believe it's James Wan flick, uh, it, is a, it is a film that will haunt you. If you believe in astral planes and demons and shit like that and ghosts, it'll definitely fuck with you. And there's one scene in particular that I saw in theaters and it made me, I fucking flung popcorn everywhere and lost my shit because motherfucking Darth Maul shows up in that bitch. Well, more like Darth Maul's fucking messed up brother, but still, shit was fucked. And coming in at number one with the motherfucking bullet, bang, bang, you shot me down, bang, bang, you came around, bang, bang, I'm on the ground. I don't think that's how the song goes, but coming in at number one with a mo fucking bullet, Jordan Peele's Us. And this is probably hands down the most famous Blumhouse film. It won a fucking Oscar, or at the very least, I can't remember correctly, it was nominated. I think it won, but at the very least, it, it was nominated for an Oscar. And not a lot of other Blumhouse films can say that. Well, none of them actually can say that. Just Jordan Peele's Us. Uh, the original, the first of what's now three films in Jordan Peele's catalog and probably going to go down as his best film. You know, he's in recent times he's had... Uh, my bad, y'all. I told you I was tired. I'm talking about us. But when I was, what I meant when I was referring to Oscar winner or Oscar nominated Jordan Peele film, I meant Get Out, which was not distributed by Blumhouse. It is not a Blumhouse film. That is me fucking up again. Uh, Us is Jordan Peele's second movie. It's, it's good. I'm sorry. I'm feeling embarrassment, which I don't usually feel. It's a rare feeling for me because I fucked up a couple of times. Uh, on the ones and twos for y'all. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and bow, bow out because I'm tired and I can't <laughs> get over my own embarrassment at fucking up 
a couple times on this list. Um, so I'll just leave you with that. My number one Blumhouse film is Us. And I will catch y'all on the next episode. Thank you so much for being faithful listeners. Mwah, 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 mwah. I'll catch you on the next one.